You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Todd Yuri here. Before you listen to the latest podcast, I want to tell you about the Avedum Health Podcast Series. Avedum Health identifies unmet needs and addresses them in a way nobody has with a portfolio of advanced safe product solutions across a broad range of health and wellness areas, including a well-known product that has supported the Pharmacy Podcast Network for some time for your patients suffering with restless leg syndrome and muscle cramps, TheraWorks Relief. I use this myself. The Avedum Health Podcast Series is a three-part series. Find it on Google by searching Avedum, spelled A-V-A-D-I-M, Avedum, and search Avedum Health Podcast. It's a really interesting discussion on non-opioid pain relief, which we all know we need more long-term non-opioid pain relief solutions. Check it out, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's entire library of content and thank you for listening to the pharmacy podcast welcome to the pharmacy podcast nation i am your host and founder of the pharmacy podcast network todd yuri the pharmacy podcast nation is a collection of news podcast reviews, and discussions about our complex healthcare system and how pharmacists are more important today than ever before. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has collected over 750 episodes from more than 30 participating pharmacist podcasters. This publication is dedicated to all pharmacists and pharmacy technicians working every day to deliver the best patient care. Find out more by visiting PharmacyPodcast.com. And now, here's your Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Hey, this is part two of the Western Pharmacy Exchange coverage. The Pharmacy Podcast Network participated in the California Pharmacists Association's annual conference. We are partners now with the CPHA. I'm excited. Today's interview is with Veronica Bandy, president of the CPHA. With Jessica Langley, she is the Executive Director of Education of the National Health Career Association and the partner of the Pharmacy Podcast Network with a podcast called On Script, which is a podcast dedicated to our pharmacy technicians. The host is Jeremy Sasser, and he has already recorded that episode. Please go back and listen to On Script rounding out today's podcast episode, the one, the only, John Roth, CEO of the California Pharmacists Association. I'm excited to share this episode with you. Please share this podcast with other pharmacists. And we thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Okay, we are at the Western Pharmacy Exchange, and guess who came up to the Pharmacy Podcast, but Victoria Tover. Bandy, the president of the California Pharmacists Association. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. The CPHA has joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We couldn't be more excited. I said that uh, it was time to uh, bring in a little bit more of the West Coast flavor to the network. So 
Um, what has told you about joining the network? You know, I am really excited with our collaboration with the podcast. It is something that all generations can relate to. Um, whether it's millennials, um, somebody who's in their mid-40s like myself, or some of our more seasoned pharmacists, it's accessible to all. And that's what really makes this um, so exciting to me. Um, I am a native of California. I've grown up half my life in Southern California and half in North. Just knowing how long it takes in traffic in certain areas in California, this is what really jazzes me about the podcast because people are going to be able to connect to this podcast and hear more things and innovative and exciting things about pharmacy. And, and it's in the comfort of while you're sitting in traffic. And it's just keeping everybody up to date. That's what I'm excited about. Your hours and hours of traffic. So tell me, Victoria, how did you become a pharmacist? What made you say one day, hey, I'm going to be a pharmacist? So I have more of the non-traditional path. I was a pre-med major at a university college here in California at a UC school. And I graduated with a biology degree and said, you know, I don't think I want to go to medical school, but I don't know what I want to do. I was already working in the pharmacy in a community setting. And after about three years of being a pharmacy technician, my um, senior pharmacist looked at me and said, you know, you should probably go to pharmacy school. You seem to really like this. And so I said, that's a good idea. Will you write me a letter of recommendation? So I applied and two months later, I got into pharmacy school. So it just kind of like fell into place. And when people kind of say, wow, you kind of just went into that, you know, feet first and jumped into the pool. I said, you know, opportunities are there and you just have to say yes. And you're gonna get no's sometimes, but at least when there's a door, you should try and open it and at least go through because you never know where it's gonna take you. What I like about the changing of the guard of the old way of pharmacy and now the new way, value-based care pharmacy versus transactional pharmacy, is the involvement in the industry what made you want to become president of the association? Why are you serving the association the way that you are? So I have been a member of the California Pharmacy Association since 1997, right when I started pharmacy school. And I've continued to pay my dues over these two decades. After graduation, I became involved with my locals because I looked at what was going on in the profession and you can't be on the sidelines and complain about something in your profession if you're not willing to affect that change. And CPHA offered opportunities both locally and within the state in order for you to get involved at different levels, whether it be legislative or public relations or healthcare outreach or patient advocacy. There's many things and outlets to offer depending on what your passion was. So it was my way of saying, I am going to give back to my profession because I want more out of my career. It's a profession, it's not a job. And I wanted to say I did more than I went to nine to five and I clocked out for the day. I want to say I gave back to not only the patients, but it's self-fulfilling in myself to help people on a different level. And so CBHA offered that to me. And 10 years ago, when I got voted in to the board position as a board trustee, you know, I didn't know what board trustees do at the state (laughs) level. I just helped out the local level for about five or 10 years. And I was like, you know, I want to see what's the next level. I really do, because how can I more affect change? And that's when I really became involved with advocacy and with legislation. 
um, and that's what really excited me at the time and that's what got me there and I just kind of went through different positions and I'm grateful so grateful to our membership that they've entrusted me in those positions and that they awesome. voted me in as president I mean that says a lot because we are voted in we're not just grandfathered in or picked that means the membership trusts you and what you've done and your your CV and your work and your body of work and that they feel that you are there to protect their profession, protect patient care in California and take us forward and to make sure that we can continue to practice at a very high level. So to me that's I'm very grateful and honored to our membership. So the state of California has led the nation in many different things in the facet of pharmacy the California Pharmacists Association has been part of leadership in the pharmacy industry for quite some time and the, f the state being recognize recognizing pharmacists as providers is very special. Tell me what you think that means as a reflection to the leadership of the CPHA. You know, for CPHA leadership, the staff, the board of directors, our members who have come to testify to get us to that level because enacting change in the legislation and getting the legislation to say we are recognized providers yes. is a hard road. It's not something that was easy because if it was easy it would have just been turnkey right. and done a long time ago. That is just so important for what we do and recognize as healthcare practitioners at a very high level. We all know that we're trained at that high level. We go to the equivalent of eight years minimum of education, and we are the medication experts. To say that we are a provider at that level is just, it's just so key. And it wasn't one person who did that, but it was the association working with the membership, working with staff, looking at the legislation, doing grassroots advocacy. That's what's made that change. But. It's been a long time coming, and we're there um, as far as provider status, um, but the next key is payment for that provider status. Yes. And so we haven't stopped the fight. We still are, are, are fighting that strong fight because we all know as pharmacists, we do lots of things out of the kindness of our heart because that's the healthcare provider we are. We don't want to see our patients suffer, but we do need to be paid for those clinical services. Right. So there's an initiative I've been part of for about a year called the Concierge Pharmacist Initiative. Started with a guy named Ken Sternfeld out of New Jersey and he's gotten pharmacists involved to go into practitioners, to go into physician offices and actually be the medication expert on one day a week, on Friday or a Tuesday or whatever. Teaching pharmacy students to not stand around and wait somebody, to wait to be given permission to act as a provider. It's to go into a physician office and do what you've been trained to do as the medication expert. And it's really starting to take hold, especially in addiction recovery centers. I uh, help as director of strategy of New Season, which has 80 centers throughout the country. And a pharmacist is able to be invited in there to look at cases where patients are suffering with co-occurring conditions, uh, hypertension, HIV, hep C, something else that they're probably not managing correctly because they're so stressed out about their opioid usage disorder that they're not paying attention to this other thing. And it's the pharmacist that puts their hand in that treatment program that's really brought it to light. And that stuff is exciting to me. How do you think provider status nationally will continue to push the pharmacist forward? 
I think provider status nationally will continue to push that role because right now, you know, healthcare, it still is an economy, right? Pharmacists as providers are very key because we are the medication expert. But when you look at the hiring process on the business end, unless an organization can bill for those clinical services, those cognitive services, it becomes an expensive proposition sometimes for them to pay for a pharmacist even though they know that they're going to save money on the back end. They know that it's in the best interest of patient care. But again, it's a bottom line. They're looking at budgets and FTEs. So by having provider status nationally opens that gateway um, to allow for the, the business model to change to allow for these types of pilot programs to actually just become this is the way that it is. Right. That makes sense. So what is next for the CPHA in your um, presidency? Is there anything that our listeners can hear today that could take action based on something that you're passionate about? So we still have six months left in my presidency. Um, so I have the joy and great privilege to be the president with the longest term in history of 18 months instead of 12, um, which has been a blessing because typically you get in your presidency, you start to get comfortable, and then it's over. It's over. So I am actually grateful I have another six months to actually kind of further move initiatives along. Um, what I what I want our members to know is that unlike some other organizations. We don't just move from initiatives that one president has and then the initiatives and the focus changes when the next president comes in. We really, the presidential officers, my immediate past president, Vincent Lee, as well as myself and my incoming president-elect, Ken Tai, we actually really do communicate almost on a daily, if not every other day basis, about the forward thinking process, what strategic initiatives we need to move forward, how are we reaching our strategic plan and our mission and our vision for the association and for the practice of pharmacy in California. So things and initiative that Vincent started, I'm actually starting to complete. And as we move forward and our membership brings issues to us, maybe it's around uh, reimbursement issues. Uh, maybe it can be around um, issues related to payments. As things of those natures come up, we're addressing those as a board and we're moving those initiatives forward. I may start that initiative, but then Ken's gonna pick up the banner and continue that. So I really want the members to know that as our presidents change and our board officers change, we're not dropping the ball. And it's not just, this is my passion and I really love this. Um, it's, we are looking as a unified front to move initiatives forward that we feel are big and important because Pharmacy practice, provider status, initiatives that help patient care are not turnkey. They're not something that can be done overnight or even in a week. Some things actually take legislation two to three years to actually get done. So continuing to move that forward and working with other organizations to really impact legislation to make sure we can still practice at that high level and working towards provider status is really one of my, my things that we're continuing to move forward and things I'm passionate about. Passing the baton. Well, thank you so much, uh, Victoria, for participating on the summary show for the WPE, the Western Pharmacy Exchange 2019. And with you being a member now of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, we are sure we'll hear from you again. Oh, most definitely. Well, we're so excited and we'll definitely stay tuned for part two. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye.
Western Pharmacy Exchange. We are here with Jessica Langley. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Todd. We are super excited to be here. This is um, our, I think, our second year participating at the WPE conference. So, first year as a sponsor and partner of CPHA. So, very excited to be here on a little different platform this year. Tell me about your organization, just in case our listeners aren't aware of what you guys do. Of course. So, NHA, or National Health Career Association, we are um, at our core a certification organization that creates and develops certification exams for eight different professions in the allied health space, pharmacy technicians being one of them. Um, We also produce learning uh, resources that help support those exams, study guides and preparation materials, and then of course the actual exams that are accredited and accepted across the country in those professions. And can a pharmacy technician become a certified pharmacy technician through your organization? Absolutely. There's two um, organizations that develop accredited exams for pharmacy technicians, and we produce the EXCPT um, through NHA, which is nationally recognized with boards of pharmacy and associations. Mr. Jeremy Sasser is the host of the OnScript podcast that we are so proud that has already been launched on the Pharmacy Podcast Network as the leading podcast for all things pharmacy technicians, so I'm so proud of that. Yes, so are we. We are really looking at how we can build out our advocacy efforts for pharmacy technicians and the Pharmacy Podcast Network and um, Jeremy doing his OnScript series is going to be a really great avenue to share messages, content, advocacy, and really just um, awareness around the value of pharmacy technicians, the role they play within pharmacies, the support that they give, but also building on that and our, our hope and our goal and our mission is to really develop them along a specific career path and, and help in um, aligning those opportunities to, to their career in the future. So someone as, who isn't a pharmacist but has been a fan of pharmacy since 2004, I've seen changes, uh, dramatic changes in technology in how pharmacy is, um, is involving in collaborative care, going from transaction to more value-based. <clears throat> when pharmacists become more active in treatment. I see a void opening up that the pharmacy technician is going to fill. What are some things from an educational perspective that you're preparing the pharmacy technician for? Right, so you're not alone in that space. Associations are also seeing that void. Regulatory bodies, educators are taking note as well. So we're trying to help support other entities in aligning um, the environment to be better prepared to do that. So. We would like that effort of elevating pharmacists to go in tandem with elevating pharmacy technicians. Um, There's a lot of promotions and and initiatives out there that are working right now currently to, you know, promote um, pharmacists and provider status of those those pharmacists in order to get them in front of patients more regularly and have a clinical impact on their care plans and such. And we would love to bring PharmTechs alongside. I don't think people are aware of the opportunities and the amount of work that a, a farm tech can do. So NHA is really focused on kind of up to this point, it's been on the the first half of a learning life cycle for a pharmacy technician. So technician training, preparation resources, and then getting them certified to perform at an entry level kind of status. Now our focus moving forward is to be more innovative on their career development and advancement journey. 
So creating um, continuing education that helps mold them or uh, maintain that skill set and then going one step further, so kind of creating those stepping stones or that ladder to where we're going to look at developing certain uh, materials to help them in skill set areas. So maybe, um, maybe telepharmacy or remote dispensing or immunizations or some of those other skills that they're capable of doing that right now they may not be utilized because there's a lack of knowledge and or training available for them. So we're, we'll hopefully be that platform. We think that will help guide them towards more of a career or understanding that they're in a position where they can have more of a career versus seeing their role as just a job. So I see pharmacy technicians in the specialty pharmacy disease state space starting to do very specific things based on the demands of some of the drug manufacturers that want specific data back on a therapy and the tracking of that therapy. And some of those specialty pharmacies rely on their technician to drill down into what day of this medication are you on, Mr. or Mrs. Sir? And, you know, Mrs. Smith, you're on day 30. How are you feeling? You're on day 60. Tell me the, you know, the the effects that you're having during breakfast time or how are you feeling during the evening. Regardless, technicians are starting to pick up some of that slack of, of where a pharmacist needs to be more clinically driven. It's up to the technician to almost be the handholder of that patient that's going through that disease and through that therapy. So that's kind of exciting to see the specialty disease states where pharmacy technicians are playing a role. Absolutely. I think we're seeing um, the workflow change. So if pharmacies that are more focused on population health management and becoming more integrated into um, you know, managing certain populations or chronic disease states and things like that, if you evaluate that workflow, I think you'll find a lot of that farm techs are able to check off those boxes, right? And then leave the pharmacist up to the ones that are caring, managing, providing that medical advice um, and support to to that panel. Um, so I think they can go a long way. I think we just have to, again, increase awareness and, and recognition of what they can do. I also believe there is an opportunity for pharmacy technicians to think entrepreneurially is that a word, entrepreneurially, to, to step out their comfort zones and think, <clears throat> what things can I do as a pharmacy professional with my pharmacy technician certification to push past the status quo with data analytics, with telepharmacy, with um, you know counseling, um, non-clinical counseling, because there's so much hand-holding. There's a human aspect to this that's very necessary. But trusting a certified pharmacy technician is once again going to give, usher in a new level of opportunity for them. You got it. Yes, I think, um I think just they're 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 really invaluable, you know, and we we're excited to see really where they can go, you know, and, and what they can do once we start gaining support for them. I think they need to learn how to have a voice. I think a lot of the times they feel like they don't have a voice or they're not valued. Um, of course, at you know, the, the basic level, get engaged in your associations, get engaged at state and regional, even um, national level um, advocacy groups and initiatives. Um, we really support boards of pharmacy to have a position, a farm tech position on their boards. That's something that, you know, we're, we're discussing with boards of pharmacy to make sure that they look at that a little bit differently these days, especially with the evolving roles of technicians and needing to have that voice at the state level. 
Um, and then I think it, it goes back to what Ashley said this morning during the keynote address. It's focusing on yourself and understanding who you are, what your personal brand is, what's the goal that you want to accomplish, um, and what's the legacy that you want to leave behind, because all of those can be captured in, in a way um, as a farm tech that can really change lives. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for participating you, in the Todd. WPE Summary Show. And uh, we're time. looking forward to OnScript and what you guys are going to be bringing to the network. Great. Thank you. Western Pharmacy Exchange 2019. I am here with John Roth, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, John? <laughs> I'm good, Todd. How are you? What an amazing conference. This is my first time being at the Western Pharmacy Exchange. I'm a fan already, just based on the energy and the, the people that I've talked with. Um, what what do you want to say to our attendees and to the exhibitors that invested the time to come here and uh, what are you uh, planning for 2020? Well, we're so proud to be partnering with Pharmacy Podcast Network. First of all, thank I'm you so for excited. making the trip to come out. I mean, You're very uh, welcome. this is just a tremendous next step for us. Um, I think as attendees, have you seen all weekend, we're really trying to focus on innovation. You know, we're delivering education very differently. Uh, we are focusing on providing an experience for attendees and for exhibitors and our sponsors, like no other pharmacy show that's out there. So um, we just appreciate everybody coming and supporting the organization so that we can do the good work in other circles, such as our legislative program, our other educational endeavors, um, and our membership programs that really serve the profession moving forward. So uh, it's been a great show. We've been really excited by the positive feedback. Um, and for next year, we're really looking to expand on that, just to ex continue to push the envelope on how we can educate and innovate um, to keep the profession moving forward. John, this is the first conference that I attended where you have multi-presentations happening at the same time with the ability to be wearing a radio headset to focus on the specific presenter that's on stage. It was absolutely amazing. For listeners who might not understand, it was a round stage, it was enormous, and then and there was sectioned off into three or four sections, and then you were able to focus in based on that radio frequency. I think that was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just as you described. It's imagine four concurrent breakout sessions going on in the same massive ballroom at once, and everybody being able to focus on only their speaker because they're tuned into that channel. That was um, really cool. It was really fun. It's innovative. Uh, to be honest, we had some members who showed up this morning and they were a little nervous. You know, they saw this headset and these earbuds and they said, what is this for? And I'm not sure what to do. But as soon as they went into that first breakout and the drapes came down and sectioned off the ballroom and their speakers started presenting in their ear, they were just, they just lit up. It was amazing. And afterwards, just a ton of positive feedback on that delivery mechanism. From a technical perspective, something that I experienced, I, I wanted to leave for just a second um, during a diabetes uh, presentation on insulin and insulin resistant what's it called insulin resistant diabetes or diabetes resistant insulin yes whatever way not a clinician and as I left to go get coffee I was able to continue to listen crystal clear to that presenter as I'm going out and getting coffee so I actually like that yeah exactly so so, John, I'm excited about the uh, California Pharmacists Association joining because I believe there are schools of pharmacy tied into the association that are our future leaders in pharmacy. 
and having the pharmacy students involved in the publication is very important to me and the future of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Speak to our pharmacy students right now, giving, giving them some encouragement about uh, the future of pharmacy. Well, the future is really bright. You know, we are very proud to work with our 13 schools of pharmacy in California. We have very good relationships with all the deans, the faculty, um, the preceptors, uh, the experiential coordinators, everybody within the administration and faculty court, our schools of pharmacy, are big supporters of the profession. And I think what that does is it really pays dividends in terms of a collaborative effort between us and the schools demonstrating that the future of pharmacy is very bright. The things that we're doing, for example, in our legislative program, really providing new pathways for pharmacists to practice, are going to open up all sorts of job opportunities. You know, there's a lot of fear today, as I'm sure you hear around the country, with the number of students graduating and the market current saturation for pharmacy jobs. And what we like to focus on is, while that may be true for sort of traditional pharmacy practice, if you look at all the innovative practice models that are emerging because of the good work we're doing with the school and with the, the students in those schools to support the profession moving forward, uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And so it's just a great chance to showcase for them to think differently, to sort of dare to think differently, um, and know that the future of how they may practice may look very different today than it did five years ago. So I've been impressed not only with the CPHA and, and being forward-thinking, but you guys actually, this is the first state to provide, um, to have provider status of your actual pharmacist. What's that mean to the profession overall? Yeah, the provider status initiatives that we've been running since 2013, where we achieved a landmark bill that both recognized pharmacists at a state level as providers, as well as increased pharmacist scope of practice um, to do a lot more clinical activities in all practice settings, uh, has really paid dividends in us being able to develop those new models of care that we were talking about a moment ago. And so provider status in and of itself is a good accomplishment, but we found when you pair that with increasing a pharmacist scope of practice, and you can then talk with stakeholders about letting those pharmacists operate at the top of their license, then we really begin to shift the healthcare delivery models that relates to pharmacy practice, and that's really what we're all about. So Western Pharmacy Exchange is a very big um, event. Uh, we could not do this event without the supportive entities, the organizations that are here exhibiting at the, uh, at the Western Pharmacy Exchange. Uh, give us some insight to uh, the supportive organizations that are here right now. Absolutely. I appreciate you asking. We have a ton of supporters um, that support Western Pharmacy Exchange, uh, everywhere from our attendees to our exhibitors. Um, we also have our top tier sponsors such as IPC, the Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, Mercer, Cardinal, McKesson, um, Walgreens, Ralph, RX Relief, PCCA, and the National Health Career Association. All these folks come forward. They bring expertise. They bring resources. They bring folks to the show um, and are really uh, putting into play um, uh, their support for working with us and with California to move the profession forward, and we greatly appreciate it. The vendors that you're mentioning, John, have been invested in the pharmacy industry for absolute years. So it's not the hit or miss, you know, vendors that come and go. These people have, know exactly what's going on, and I'm always impressed with 
um, showing up at an event and seeing some of these pillars of our pharmacy industry here. So that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. They are pillars. Um, they're for us and good times and bad, and they really do support us in a number of ways, and we can't thank them enough. Well, John, I'm excited that the CPHA is now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I can't wait to hear some of the content that you're going to bring to our listeners. And I'm just uh, thankful that you guys are part of it. So thank you. Thanks, Todd. We're so proud to be part of the network and uh, look forward to, to delivering great content with you. Thanks for, uh, for working with us. John Roth, California Pharmacists Association. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Todd. What an incredible organization, incredible time at the Western Pharmacy Exchange. I want to give a shout out to Sheila Johnston for all of her efforts and coordination of this event. Please, for more information on the California Pharmacists Association, go to cpha.com. That's cpha.com. And as always, thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.